Hey, welcome to the 146th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode was brought to you by patron Andre Billiard, who upped his patronage, I think, because Oren finally figured out how to say his name right. Thanks, Andre. <laughs> I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have on DP and director Greg Baldi. He has worked on a bazillion action films you've heard of. Name a action film. He worked on Drive. The Ryan Gosling film. He has been the second unit DP and he specializes in cars. And not surprising is that uh, all of his commercial work is for cars as well. Where he directs. Right, where he directs. So um, he, he does an interesting job of bouncing back and forth between directing commercials and shooting second unit in the biggest movies of all time, basically. Right. And what I find interesting about our conversation is that it is kind of like the same struggle that we have you know Mm -hmm. do we want to take kind of the bigger paying gigs that will sustain us for a while or do we want to follow like our passion projects and even when those bigger gigs are like 200 million dollar films you still have that same struggle it's fun to hear his stories and his history and how he got into all that stuff yeah we hear a ton of stories from the trenches in some of your favorite movies from a guy just like us yeah but before we chat with greg can you just give me a quick recap on what you've been working on lately yeah i'm uh, prepping a bunch of stuff and and kind of in the thick of it which is nice for january we've talked about it before but here's the thing Oren, that you didn't know my short film a gray one ago ago got rejected from south by today oh are you bummed? I'm a little bummed. Did you have a hookup there? Some people put in a good word for me, for sure. Um, and my reps sent it over. So, you know, I had like a a solid chance. All of which is to say, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm bummed about it for sure. South by is a great festival. Would have been great to premiere there. But I think it's worth it to share that stuff, you know? Yeah. That even the best directors. Sure. Even one of the top two directors in my living room right now. Yeah. Just kidding. Dining room. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it Don't sucks, man. South by. Yeah. I mean, I've been rejected by South by. I think my feature we submitted there. I mean, it, it is nice to not ha- have all of your eggs in that basket. Like, w- would it have been incredible to play South by? Yes. Is it a thing where I have seen it really help good friends of ours yes have i seen it also like just be a nice feather in someone's cap and not really change their lives i've also seen that you know i feel like that's probably the most thing like carlin had her short at south by sure and i think you would agree that she's very much like a friend of the festival and an austin local and even with all those things i wonder it's i'm sure it's awesome to be like hey i my movies at south by but i i don't know that it was a huge bump Sure. Like she was already kind of on I her way regardless. I think it was regardless. probably, Carlin's a good example of a person where it would have been an incremental bump. Yeah. You know, where like, I think it's nice to be able to say like, oh, I had a short play South by. D- is it going to automatically make me eligible for bigger and bigger jobs than I'd been before? You know, no, I don't, I don't think so. Unless you win, unless you really, you know. Right. Or, still, or a feature, I think, is a different thing. Like yeah, you could definitely. get distribution out of South by sure 100%. So uh, that's n- in no way to, to sound like I have feelings of sour grapes or anything like that. You know, I think I got my hopes up a tiny bit, but the real point is just that like, Hey everyone, you're all getting those letters. Um, and some of you aren't and go have a great time and like kill it. But you know, for the rest of us, just keep on the grind. Don't worry about it. And, and genuinely, if I, 
if I felt like, oh, my the, my one shot was this short and I didn't get into South by, it would be devastating in a way that it's not, you know, like you just, I wrote today, I wrote the day before. It doesn't matter. You just kind of keep creating new things and figuring it out. Yeah. Well, um, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But, I'm feeling uh, okay about it now, I think. Yeah. I it's mean, nice to have a podcast. I wish I had something to submit to South by. <laughs> so We're in the same boat. We both didn't get into South by. But at least next year, when you submit your next thing, they can be like, oh, yeah, remember we liked this short and almost made it last year. Maybe. But for me, they'll be like, who is this guy? <laughs> Some podcaster? Um, anyway, we got an email today from listener Paul Kim. For our avid listeners, you will remember that Paul lives in Atlanta and was asking us if he should move to L.A. because he wants to get into film. And, of course, I was saying, I don't know. Why don't you just make some film in Atlanta? And Matt was saying, you probably need just a change of scenery. Do it. And Paul wrote us today to let us know that he's doing it. He quit his job and he is moving to L.A. in June. I thought the most kind of interesting and funny thing he said was, uh, I currently live with my parents and it's just too comfortable which is why it's hard to get a fresh start when you're when you're living at home. Also, they don't really understand the gigging life. So I've had to take on jobs to feel normal, but I feel like I'm limiting myself that way, which is a very yeah. true thing. Like yeah. my parents still, my mom is still like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, mom, stop asking me if I'm okay. Just because yeah. I don't go to an office every day doesn't mean my life is in shambles. My mom listens to this sometimes. I wonder if she'll. That's probably part of it. <laughs> you, you think it's part of it that my mom listens to the show? How would you feel if, like, w- w- your daughter had a uh, podcast that you would listen to every once in a while, where she's just like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're pretty optimistic and yeah. positive, and I hope so. Hide our fears. <laughs> um, anyway, mom, I'm doing just fine. Yes. Orin's doing just fine. I didn't get accepted to a festival. Yeah, maybe Matt needs some help. You want to send Matt uh, $20? Before we uh, chat with Greg, I just want to remind people we have a Patreon that Andre Billiard is a patron of. And not only Andre, but we also have a new patron, Adam Bricker. What, what? What famous DP, director of photography, of many shows, including shows that some of our past guests have directed, mm-hmm. such as Chef's Table and American Vandal. He also shot something for me, House of Thrones. Oh, look at the that. The smash hit of combination of House of Cards and Game of Thrones. We are appreciative of Adam Bricker. If you want to join Adam and Andre and our other patrons, check out patreon.com slash justshootitpod and help us you know, pay our editor and uh, put on live shows and yeah. Make stuff. So please do check it out. Uh, Patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. And without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Baldy. We are here with Greg Baldy. Hello. Who, oddly enough, is not bald. Yeah, great head of hair, Greg. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Maybe sneaking back a little. <laughs> do you get that a lot? My whole life. But na- but <laughs> but funny, lately I would say people say it more often now that, well, but you still have a head of hair. Mm-hmm. Because everyone calls me that on set as well. So you've worked on like every giant action film. I've done a few. In Hollywood. Yeah, they're fun. I really love it. Can you tell us what you do? It just, I do a lot of things, which is interesting. And uh, I, I heard someone recently tell me, maybe I do too many things and I should just pick one. 
Oh, interesting. And I could see that. I, there's a something to be said about that. But but things are going okay for you right now. So. They, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> well, so I guess from just from a cursory view of your IMDb entry plus your website on your production company, you direct commercials, mostly car commercials, but kind of like really beautiful slick car commercials that do have, I mean, there's actors in them too, right? It's not strictly I do cars. Ha- yeah, it, I... I do do a lot of cars, of course. I am a sheet metal guy, absolutely. And when you say sheet metal, does that sound silly, but does that include like airplanes and tractors and boats? Or is it really All strictly cars? All of that cars, would apply. Cars? Same with motorcycles. and mm-hmm. But because I do stunts, I get to do a lot of that as well. So, And when you say you do stunts, you mean you're shoot. good at directing and shooting stunts? I mostly, for movies, I mostly shoot instead of direct. Um is it in my future? Sure. But I've always not been in a hurry. Mm-hmm. So I just enjoy what I'm doing and I kind of swim up the river, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not one line and I just enjoy doing it all. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating because I think a lot of our listeners are kind of typically they're juggling a few different jobs, right? The same sort of thing of like, oh, kind of deciding what is it the thing that I like best? Everyone in Hollywood tells you like, to put yourself in a box, you know, right? And I guess the, in a sense, you have areas of expertise, certainly, but um, but you one wouldn't say like, oh, Greg's put himself in a box because he directs commercials and also shoots big, giant action movies and done a, does a ton of second unit stuff, right? Like it's kind of, there's a, that's yeah. a big cocktail. I, I could put I mean? myself that's in a box, bowl, but right? then I'm going to have five boxes right right exactly and uh, but maybe that's still, what i do too i don't know but they all share right and they like, make sense together of course it's like oh man of course like you're working on john wick three you know you're doing all these big kind of action high gloss premium hollywood movies so of course it, it makes sense that they would trust you to do like kind of like sleek cool industrial-esque sort of car commercials. You know what I mean? There's something that makes sense between the two of those things. And what's funny is I did them in reverse. So I started with the car commercials. Mm. I started as a production assistant. And um, Did you go to film school? I did not. I did for the last 25 years, yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Earn while you learn, as I might have said before. So I got into the camera department pretty quickly. I actually PA'd for three months. And I got to do a Janet Jackson music video which as one? a load, as a film loader, oh, which was terrifying. Sure. Right. You, you touch the film, tw- you know, it goes out and it comes back in. You touch it twice, you know, in mm-hmm. a very important place. Hardly anyone does it anymore. We still do on big films and occasional commercial, but mostly it's all digital sure. today. Yeah. Have you directed any film things in the last five years, commercial wise? D- directed? No, Mm-mm. I have not. Sadly enough, all digital. I have shot with film on. I could think maybe Sp- Spider Man, which I thought was an odd choice to Homecoming. choose film. Yeah, that's the one. Um, we love that movie, yeah. Matt and I. Love, by love, the way, love that movie. Oh, cool. What did I do in that? It says uh, you were the edge director of photography. Yeah. Oh, you got it up. Uh, it's a lot that one. I have to. I have to. I have to go to IMDb to look at it too. To remember, I just can't remember. I could tell you story after story, sure. which I love to do. But can you it's tell us funny. what that means, edge director of photography? So there is a camera car that was built some twenty years ago by a Russian rocket scientist, Levi Stratov. Amazing man, he looks like Jaws from Moonraker. 
<laughs> huge Russian guy. One, he only has one eye. Is he's built the arm car? He the Russian arm. Yeah, that's right. That was the original one. Was the Russian arm, and it has blossomed into probably fifteen people have them now. Uh, you know, fifteen different companies. They're the guys who are at the top: Edge Arm, Pursuit Arm, Russian Arm. There's there's more. And then just for our listeners that aren't familiar with what that refers to, can you describe what it is? So what's cool about it is it's a arm, a robotic arm on top of a car and uh, the crane operator can make it go up and down and all the way around, but also it will go below the ground. So if there was a ditch off to the side, mm-hmm. you could put the camera into the ditch and look Because it's up. telescoping like a techno crane, right? It's not telescoping. Oh, it's they, they have made one, but what it is is it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is all about light and nimble. And at the end of it, there's a head that can pan, tilt, roll, and zoom. It's like a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a very expensive one, right? It's a million-dollar video game. And it's changed the film industry completely. <laughs> and also, you and four of your buddies are all in the car. <laughs> it's kind of great. I, have, I put a seatbelt on. I have a place for my coffee. Sure. I sit on my ass for a living. Right. It's but amazing. Tell me who, but if your buddy messes up, you know, you all die, I guess. <laughs> right. If I make a mistake, we just do take two. Yeah, sure, right. If the driver or the crane operator makes a mistake, you you could kill you, someone, of sure. course. Yeah. Um, and who who's in the car? Obviously the person driving. Right. Um, which is probably the most important person in the car. <laughs> yeah. More so than me. Because if the car's not in the right place, then the you arm's not in the right place, the camera's not in the right place. Um, uh, focus puller, right? Uh, who also today is very involved in doing the stop. You know, they they mm-hmm. help so much more. You than mean the exposure? Ha- the exposure, yep. Uh, they do so much more than when I was a focus puller, mm-hmm. and it's so much easier when I was a focus puller. I think today, I it's the tiniest the half of a line, and it sure. is unusable out of focus. It's crazy. I don't know how they do it. Um, the yeah, crane but operator. they have monitors now. <laughs> they do. That's true too. But it's a different style of doing it, right? You know, people are stuck in the monitor. Although I did pull a focus off the monitor in the camera car because I'd done it a lot in the car. Uh, it's how I got my start with it some twenty years ago. Uh, so a crane operator, as I said, he goes up and down all the way around, and myself, a camera operator or director of photography, or and I, when I direct, I shoot for myself. So. I am directing, I'm the DP, and I'm the camera operator. And dropping, wow. So I love it, but it can be exhausting, and it would be nice for someone else to come up with something. You guys both direct, and you hire a director of photography. So you get to ask somebody like, hey, about, what do you hey, think? yeah, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Do you think we should, hey, yeah. maybe is it the, yeah. and that's why I do really think you need both. Mm-hmm. But for a good portion of what I do, you can do you can you can do both or all three for that matter. Sure. The two guys I started with who were my mentors and I did all of my focus pulling and growing up in the world in this world um, were both director DPs and mm-hmm. I think somehow some way they were always training me as we went. Which yeah, was fun. I I kind of I mean when I first started out and I'm sure a lot of people you know started out like on YouTube and all that you shoot their own stuff. I mean you've shot. Your own stuff. Probably. I never really shot my own stuff, which is a weird thing. Even though you say. went to film school. You're no, the I know. One. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I, cool. I shot a few, like early, early on, I shot a few things, but like very quickly, 
I was trying to outsource that part of the job. I was like, but like before it was required, I was like, hey, I'm going to get a DP, a DP that I work with to this day to like step in and because I want to try and figure out how to like be a director. But you're a writer as well, right? I am, yes. So this is where I think the big, I'm not a writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I, every time I try, it's a little off. Sure. (laughs) So I... You know, I get help here and there. I I still do okay, but I'm not. I'm no writer. I'm very visual though, so I I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I kind of actually over the years have become more camera oriented for sure. But I never like really operated myself. Like by the time it was a, a shoot that felt in any real way like a set, I wasn't holding touching the camera at all. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I guess I, it's a deficiency, frankly. I maybe should have, you know. I don't done know. Really, I don't know. know. Is because I don't feel like my writing's a deficiency. I'm not very good at it, but sure, sure. I, but I can take something and make it better mm-hmm. for sure, and I can communicate to a writer if I needed to. Right. What I think is more important, or what could help shape it better, mm-hmm. what have you. Yeah, I kind of am not a believer in the. That and I know you've been doing it for a long time, uh, but I guess I'm not a believer in the idea that like, oh, you're good at writing, so you're not as visual, or you're visual, so you're not like that. Oh, you right. are obviously everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and I think it's just like directly related sure. to what they spend their time doing. Sure, sure. But like, I think like you and I, you know, I don't write that much, but I think I could write, and I think you can write if we spent if you spent the same amount of time certainly if- writing as you did. All Race, this, yeah, know, yeah, sure. working on camera stuff. So it's more but, like you just skipped Arms Day and you just did Legs Day for twenty years, basically. Right, right, <laughs> right. But I think like what about not that's shoot- what gym stuff is. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The metaphor tracked, I think. Yeah, no, no, no. no. You, yeah, you're good. Oh, it's good. the other way around. Usually they don't do legs and sure. they only do arms. I was trying to paint yeah. a funny picture. But, for yeah, but I, and I thought it was very <laughs> okay. clever. And Greg only works with arms, not right. Legs. Yeah, yeah. So, this uh, is true. Hi-yo. Yeah, but I guess I'm sure it's the same with you, Greg. Like, if you had a DP that was like, and a camera operator, and you were trying to direct this car commercial, it would probably take you longer than if you just did it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, before your show. Larry Sure has shot for me, mm-hmm. which he, you know, he's a much better director of photography than I am, for, for sure. I'm really good at the car action stuff. Um, but inside this room, I think he's going to do a better job than mm-hmm. I am. So like he did a lighting or yeah, for sure. Uh, he's done a lot more of it than I have. And, um, I'm good at it for sure. For sure. I, I think I, I can yeah. hang, you know, what's up. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> but that's Larry, you know, he's done, he's done quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's great and I think he's a great eye. Uh, so he shot a Kia commercial for me, and it, and it was fantastic. And it was it was a difficult room to light. There's hard light coming in, and it's gonna and then it's gonna go away. So you have to try to match that for the whole day because we're gonna be in the same place. And and it was nice to let go of it. Mm-hmm. But you and didn't have really, notes on how to light the car, or how to shoot. It was this was an interior without the car. Oh, uh, for Kia. So, for Kia, yeah. Um, so and it was a a kid and a dad and a freezer um and a dog for another spot 
So it was really nice to just be able to work with the actors and not have to worry about mm-hmm. lighting and being a part of the crew. Because as you know, as a DP, you are you, know, yeah. you might be above the line, but you're you're still like you're a part of the crew. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's an inter- interesting observation. I don't feel like we've talked about it all on the show, but it the director DP the director. Well, no, no. The DP is part of the crew in a way that oftentimes. I feel like I relate to the crew. You know what I mean? There's like sure. a real camaraderie with that team. Like you've been working with them for a long time. Sometimes, most of the time, I like the crew better than I like the actors. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's <laughs> not true. true. Not, not always true. No, but, of course. But you know. You're more comfortable with the yeah, crew because like, what you say to them doesn't show up on camera. Yeah. And like right. most of the yeah, time, these are people care. that I've been working with. I handpicked them because I love being around them. Of course, I want to have lunch with them or whatever. Right. And it, it's funny how I feel like DPs kind of get to have their cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they're buddy buddy with everybody. That's right. It is maybe the most fun looking job. Job? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. also by far, I think it's the busiest position on set. For sure. Because it's the only position that is like, entirely busy while the camera's rolling yeah between when the camera is rolling and the next setup is done and after you wrap figuring out the next day and also the night before figuring out tomorrow it's like you're part of all the planning you maybe not as much part of the postmortem um unless it's a multi-day shoot but on set there's no other role where it's like nonstop. Sometimes a production, and, like an art team that's trying to AD. stay ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. No, the they, AD, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and that's who I'm sitting with as we're talking about. But they don't get it. the upside. Do you know what I mean? Like the DP gets to like be the cool guy or girl. <laughs> and then AD is just only like stressed out and headaches. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do think the AD is a harder job. I couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, it's rough. I guess the AD is tough. But sometimes, but once they're the setup, like if everything's going sure. well and there the camera's are, in the right place, yeah. Andy can just be like, "Hey, ready? Let's roll it." Except for then he's calling background mm-hmm. and interjecting his little part, and you know, especially on a feature or trying to get ahead. Yeah, and on a feature, they're you know they're an integral part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they are in a commercial as well, but in a feature, it's even more so. It's cre- you're in how many different locations? Right, and right. Their creative fingerprints are a little bit more. It's on, on it's rough. I think it's a really tough job. Yeah. I, I wouldn't trade it, but I think they're e- equivalent to one another. Sure, you have to paint with light and do these things, but they have to know how to deal with all the actors mm-hmm. as well. And many times it goes sideways, and you've got to figure out how to how to fix it. Yeah, yeah, and they're kind of producing too. Yeah, while a lot of them. While they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's go back to You were a PA. You got into the camera team on... Mm. What What were you working Janet on? Janet Jackson vi- music video. Oh, yeah. And so then... It was in Africa, but it was not in Africa. It was Tahone Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just kind of worked your way up into... Yeah, so um, the reason I... With the camera car is because I was lucky enough, the few people I PA'd for first used this camera car mm-hmm. more than it more than anybody i see sean tonson director dp uh been around a very long time has been very very successful and this is just pure luck you just got a it job and pure, you were like it was it wasn't no it was actually it wasn't pure luck um my girlfriend who's now my wife of 20 years this last year congrats thank you very much um difficult in this industry sure yeah. we've made it it's awesome she introduced me to her roommate, who was Jim Bouvet, who's now 
executive producer at Radical Media or something like that. He got me my first PA job, and I didn't work with him again for a very long time. So I did all of my own networking and figured out sure. my own way. Yeah. I was lucky enough to, to be with a guy who had worked with that thing, but you can be lucky to be there. You, you have to go get it. Though, sure. Right? That yeah, is, yeah. It, it's the one thing I try to teach everyone is to be eager. And yeah. And um, I was very eager. Cause you said you were a PA for only three months, right? Three months. And then I started loading. I still yeah. had to PA. But, but that, I mean, that's indicative though. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Anyone who wants to go, you can do it quickly. I know PAs who've done it the entire time I've done it mm-hmm. and they're still PAs. <laughs> right, I, I, right. But that's what they want to do. You know, I don't, I don't fault them for it. They're still great people, and sure. we all still get along. And it's great to see them when I, when I do. It's crazy to me because I think you can make a lot more money. But if that's not what what drives you and you right, don't care and right. you're comfortable there, great. But they're also like the key set PA on like John. Of course. So, uh, no, those people all go pretty quick. They all move <laughs> up. I think. <laughs> really. All of them that I've seen, yeah. So, how important is it? Do you think to specialize in cars? Like, is that something you're happy about that you're kind of like the Russian arm DP? I love that I've done it because I grew up drag racing with my dad. Mm-hmm. So he built race car engines and, and, uh, that makes sense. And so I've done it from such a young age and he did top fuel, which is the fastest in drag racing. It's, you know, crazy. They were doing 200 miles an hour in the sixties and it's 300 and something now. Um, so I knew a lot about cars, and I'd worked on them, and I worked in his shop all through my mm-hmm. teen years. Uh, but then I had to get out, mm-hmm. and I uh, I grew up in Eagle Rock, which was a little small town then. Mm-hmm. There weren't any hipsters yet. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Should have bought a house then, man. <laughs> my dad yeah. still has his house. Oh, good. good. Um, it's worth $10 million. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth $10 million, and it's 1,200 square feet. Yeah. Um, so then you started working on with the Russian arm, and and that was like 20 years ago. In June will be my 25th year. So I PA'd probably for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. I would still get to load and film here sure, and there. Sure, you bounce back and forth. Then yeah, I, yeah. And I moved up pretty quickly, and I was with that Russian arm and pulled focus in it for a very long time. So that's when it was first out. That's when it first began, and, and as I was starting to say earlier, it's really changed the film industry. There's no way you could get these helicopter-type shots. Mm -hmm. You know, I think your point of, like, it changing the way that cinema works all makes complete sense to me. I think what's fascinating to me about your career trajectory is that, you know, it's not unlike being, like, a Steadicam operator or somebody... Exactly. Somebody premium. Like a specialist. A specialist Mm -hmm. who... So you only end up on sets where they can afford you. It's you true. know what I mean? And that's why I got to do all of the big movies. Yeah. And that's why you're here on the podcast to give one free day of edge arm work to one of our listeners. Right? Greg, that's so generous. Thank you so much, man. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you, a long time ago, I said to one of the camera car owners that I think we should have a school for it because... I'd be happy to te- to teach anybody mm-hmm. and everybody all of the tricks. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just like anything, st- um, Greg Smith is a Steadicam operator who's who's done the same as me, just a ton of mm-hmm. huge movies, amazing guy. 
Um, and he, he now only teaches it. And, interesting. and he is an incredible camera operator. And there are so many tricks to all of it. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm very lucky is I got to do a lot of other camera operating as well, in addition to the car. But the car is what made me learn mm -hmm. and that specialty really is there is something to be said about it but there's only a handful of guys who really do it right what are the like what are some tricks to make cars look like they're going fast and think make things look dangerous long lenses nothing wide lenses close to the ground nothing makes a car look like it's going fast than actual speed oh really the faster you can go and the closer you can get to it the better like when you're shooting keanu reeves riding a horse being chased by a motorcycle, how fast are they going? Well, th that's all done by the horses, <laughs> right? So you can only go as fast as the horses will go. But it's not so much the speed in that case is the, what the hell is he doing on a horse on the street in New York, in Brooklyn, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, the, it, the speed is not so much the, the issue the, there. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not that it's not what makes that work mm -hmm. and I think that's where in all my experience of it I think this is what's really fun for me and and where I'm an integral part of doing that sort of thing because Because I've done it so much. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in choreographing the cars and like the accidents or the trick like tons the of tyro tons of times uh, other times there's an exact previs mm -hmm. that we have to go by and they don't want to alter it at all. They want to make it as close to that as possible. And we do it all the time. It's do you amazing. ever see a previs and say like, this is impossible? Of course. And it happened. It, this happens every day. I actually just on, um, just like on Jurassic world, there was a shot of the, those spheres that, uh -huh. that they were in. It was, it was the volcano was happening and that huge shot of the T-Rex and all those dinosaurs fighting. Doesn't ILM just do such sure. a good job? Incredible they work. Look so yeah. good. Um, I know because I shot them without the dinosaurs there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> so um, uh, one of those spheres, as we uh, in the previous, goes right through the camera. Like, <laughs> that, we can't do that. And so we had that sphere on a trailer being towed mm -hmm. so you could have the actors in it. Mm -hmm. um, we did tons of stuff with the, with, you know, stunt people as well but we we shot a lot of those actors in in all of that so of course they're on a process trailer sure. you know but now the process trailer has a truck in front of it and i'm in a camera car mm -hmm. and i and so you can't go through the truck right. so we had right. to so it, we had to change the shot so they now they exit left to right instead of instead of us Going. crossing their right. path and right. then letting it go oh right which is fun to do and it can be done but it's in Hawaii, you know, you can only bring so much sure, stuff yeah. over. And yeah. Have you guys seen any of the Deadpool, the first Deadpool, like VFX breakdowns? Because there's like no. all these like insane car fights and yeah. freeway things. And it's like pretty astonishing how much is CG. Like pretty, they, yeah. Um, you know, that second unit director, Darren Prescott, did the Deadpools and he also did John, uh, John Wick. Wick three. He yeah. did all of the John Wicks. I just was lucky enough to have him call me to come help him do this one. And so, when you're doing second unit stuff and action stuff, how often is the director, like the main unit director, there? 
Like when you did Not San Andreas, was Brad Payton there? I did very little on San Andreas, unfortunately, so I can't. That one would be unfortunately not a good example. There it's only I only bring it up because he told us he's been on the podcast and oh, he told cool. us that uh, he directs. He, he's the only director. Like, there's no second unit director on his work, and that happens a lot. Chris Nolan doesn't mm-hmm. let anybody oh, really? do a second unit. Nope, he doesn't. Um, but it's a necessary. It's a necessary evil. I say evil, sure. not so much evil. It's what. Yeah, it's you know, a big part of what I do. Step of the process, yeah. Right. But um, I understand it from both sides. Sometimes you really need a stunt guy who mm-hmm. is the second unit director or someone who is, knows enough about stunts because there's plenty of first unit directors who don't know a lot about action and don't sure. know the tricks of how you were saying, is it a wide lens, is it a long lens? Of course, yeah. there's all those tricks as well. How do you sell a punch, all of that stuff, you know? Right. I'm joking. But, no, it's, no, but, but, but it's true, true, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Chris Nolan is a very good director, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't, no one has to say that. He sure. he knows, too. Right. Not in a bad way. Sure. But you do you see, know. like, a Kenneth Branagh direct Thor or, like, even John Favreau when he directed um, the first Iron Man. Like, he'd never, he'd only done, like, dramas and comedies right. before that. And you're like, how is he doing, like, the biggest, at the time, like, the biggest superhero movie know, of crazy. all time? I thought it was crazy, And too. you're like, there must be an entire sure. team. Even, I mean, there is. Even like, Peter Jackson, is. like, he when was he's like, doing, yeah, it's kind of nice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But when he's doing, like, these, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings films, like, he can't create every character by himself, you know? Right. right? Like, That's, what they look like. And, exactly. Right? So there's all these people. Well, so, I guess I'm curious, just because I think... Probably a majority of our listeners are like new filmmakers, film students. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of people also that, that are in the industry that listen. But is there anything that you've learned like doing this crazy giant action stuff that might be applicable to like low low budget? The projects? simplest thing in the world, and I think it applies to everything. Have no fear. <laughs> I, and it's it's have the, good insurance. It's yeah. <laughs> I just dropped my our insurance policy. We actually had one for the podcast, so I'm like, now I'm scared. Yeah. So don't get crazy in here and yeah, yeah. break a mic. Yeah. Right. yeah. Gotcha. Um, but um, you are you serious? I'm very serious because um, someone was asking me some advice. A uh, camera assistant. She's a great girl. She works very hard. And she was shooting this, um, she was going to shoot this music video. And she had her Canon 5D. She's so excited. I have an amazing camera. But we've used this camera on big, huge movies. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it still works pretty great. Sure. She's like, what? I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to try this. What do you think about that? What do you think? And she asked me a thousand questions. And I finally said, do you know something? Stop. You, you're so lucky today. I had to shoot it send the film into the lab, get it done for free, wait to get it transferred to tell us any, like it was just incredible what we had to go through. You could watch it back right now and know exactly what it's gonna look like. Certainly we can color it and do other things in post. There's tons of things that could still be done, but you could watch what your effect was immediately. I said, so stop being afraid and just go do it. Go tell your story. And I think that's, I think it works for everybody, not just in action. And I don't mean fear just as, oh shit, I'm going to get hit by a car. There's plenty, we we do plenty of that, of course. It's very dangerous. But have no fear in write your script. Mm -hmm. Do what it is that you want to do. Set, Set out your goal and go for it. Go for it. Don't don't have fear. I really think it's the most important one. 
Cool. Yeah. Is there anything um, that's like, I guess, a little more like car action related or anything? Like, I guess, is there like, do you learn things in your line of work? Like if I said like, hey, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to go mm-hmm. make this, make a little action scene. Yeah. Like, are there things that you've learned working on these giant films that would be helpful for for that, for your 5D scene? I'm going to say one more super simple one, and then maybe I'll give you something a little <laughs> something more juicy. spicy, right? <laughs> but backlight. Really? Oh, great. That's okay. actually, I like that. What do you, yeah. can you That's elaborate on that? To hear. Yeah. Backlight. <laughs> Put the subject between you and the sun. Between even the though, camera and the sun. Put even though my sun. stepdad always tells me that when he wants to take a picture, he needs the sun on their face. I don't okay. know what it is about well, our parents' generation. They are like so furious at the idea of backlight. Backlight, yeah, that's true. It's because they all shot on like 100 ASA right. films. They had yeah, to, yeah. Correct. But front light works too. We front light all sorts of stuff, especially people. Sure. So, and for your iPhone, front light still looks great. Right. Can look great. You're going to see your face more than <laughs> right. the backlight. Depends how good looking you are. But also, what's amazing is our tricky little phones have fantastic software all built inside sure. to make it a little brighter, and all of a sudden you can see it. Yeah. I still I don't use the flash. I turn it off all the time. Sure. Right. I, I love HDR. Up. I'm like an yeah. HDR nut. Just turn it on. Yeah, so that's great. so backlight okay. is like your backlight huge it's a, and it's no it's no huge information I, lots i think it's a really common i think it's a really common mm-hmm. thing however if you don't you're saying young young people listening it's an important one i have a i have a question actually in terms of like uh kind of on the same thread we were talking before about how like you're a great collaborator and you work with all sorts of different types of people. Are, is there anything you wish you could just kind of tell newer directors where you're collaborating with them? You're kind of, you're the expert in like this specific thing. Like what are the ways in which like, you know, our listener who wants to work with you can be like, what is the best way for them to, to collaborate with you as best as possible? Like, is the, is the other version of this question, like, what are kind of the most common mistakes you see, like, sure. new directors? I was putting a positive spin on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah same Make thing. when, they're, when they same thing. work yeah. with you? It's a great question. And um, um, I'm glad you took a second asking it, because I'm trying to think, really, of what that <laughs> is. Sure. Um, like, you, have you you've worked with Chris Nolan? I have, yeah. And is there, and he's, he's a pretty good director, right? And we established what, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he is knows exactly what he wants. Is that, is that something that's, that's important? That's something for sure. But what about the director that comes and says, like, hey, I don't really, I've never used a, a Russian arm, edge arm. I've never mm-hmm. done, like, a chase vehicle thing before. Sure. And you have done uh, 500 of them. Yeah. 500,000 hours, I'm sure. It's something yeah. ridiculous. You tell me what you think will look cool. I want to do something fresh and i want this car to look fast and and we have this is these are the pieces we have can you help me figure out how to do this is that so will that never be as good as the chris nolan version where he's like first do the shot we're going to zoom in here we're going to pass here foreground that's what's the most amazing thing about what we do is that you certainly could do it as good as chris nolan but can you do consistently over an entire scene over an entire Mm -hmm. act film career you know I feel like it's great to hear somebody who knows what they want. 
and have the confidence to say what it is that they want. What if you don't think it's that great? I'm not going to tell you. And then I'm going to wait to see what you have to say about it. Because if you show me you don't have the confidence or you don't know, mm-hmm. or, or I think I, I've done it for a long enough time and done it with a lot of people for long enough to see your reaction pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I've done it, as I said, for 25 years. So, and I have been shooting big movies for 12 or 15 years of those years. So it's fun to watch this. This is how you work with an actor. It's the same, really, it's the same thing. So I'm going to see what it is that you say back to me. I heard a really great story from Naya Hall, who was Conrad Hall's daughter. Mm -hmm. And they were doing something on Road to Perdition. Conrad Hall, the DP. Yes, thank you. And they're doing this big elaborate setup that took a tremendous amount of lighting for him to do. And it was taking, you know, hour after hour. And finally, the director came back and said, couldn't we just have him come out the door, do this, you know, something much simpler? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll be ready in five minutes. No problem. So the fact that he was going with the flow, even though he spent all this time. He knew it was very difficult to do, but that's not his call. Mm-hmm. It's the director wanted that. Now, he's no slouch director. It's a sure. tradition. It's you know, it's a, it's still a big film. If you don't know what you're doing, though, be honest, mm-hmm. right? But there's no shame in not knowing what you're doing. Uh, there's plenty of things that I would say. Uh, you know, I think that maybe this is my opinion, but I I don't do that a lot. So what? What is it that you think? And then we can come to a solution together. But confidence is not cocky. You know, mm-hmm. c- confidence is knowing what you want and, and also understanding that if someone else has a better idea or, the re- or something that helps you fix it, especially a director of photography, then listen, I, you know, I don't have a lot of DP shoot for me. It still happens occasionally. So... I don't ever, I don't have this argument and not even sure. that it's an argument, but I do shoot for plenty of younger mm-hmm. directors because I, you know, I'm not in that one box. I love to do all of it. So I think it's the, I think it is really the, probably the quintessential part. If you don't know, don't, don't be shy. Mm-hmm. Don't, it's okay that you don't know. Have the, you ever worked the, with a director that like doesn't really care how a scene is shot. They're like really want to work with the actors. It's the scene between the mom ones. and her daughter. And for sure. They're going to be getting a fight ones. here and they figure out the blocking and they're like, just what do you think? Huge master coverage and people who don't know at all. I can't tell you how many times, especially in the commercial world, someone has asked me what this like 40 year old mom should wear. And, uh, and like, you and, can't say, I don't care. You can't say I don't care, but like half the people working on the account are like 40 year old moms. And I'm like, Susan, can, you know, what do you think? (laughs) Right. Like, cause I, I have like my version of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It still can be a collaboration. Yeah. Right. You can also say these are the things that are important to me. These are the things I'm trying to communicate. Right. I care about these colors. I don't want it to be too busy, but let's, you know, let's figure this out. And, you know, there's all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, don't cross the line. Do, what, you know, don't do that. You can confuse somebody. One of the best directors in the world crossed the line incessantly. It's Stanley Kubrick. Sure. So intentionally All to time, mess yeah. you up to, and it confuses you in a car chase. It's amazing. 
the car goes this way, that way. Like, oh, it's it's chaotic. <laughs> yeah. It's confusing. It helps. Right. For this last bit, I wanted to talk to you for a second about like your directing career. And is that like, I mean, this is something Matt and I are always struggling with. Like we can work on our scripts and our passion projects and our specs and our shorts, or we can go to the bigger projects with budgets and get paid. Yeah. yeah. Like how, how much do you care about directing? Like how important is your directing career versus your DPing like big movie career? Is there one that you're trying to push more towards I, in the future? I love both. It's so funny. I still can't put myself in the box. Um, is it going to hurt me? Maybe. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when it comes. But I love directing and I love the, I love the differences of all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, directing, you're having to do what the ad agency wants, sure. right? And what the client wants and what you want. And they're not all necessarily the same thing. Right. Right. I'm sure you guys know it first. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, right. So, so you have to have, you have to interject enough of your, leather to to bring to the table what it is that they got you for Mm -hmm. and certainly we don't we don't get to do we don't get to edit like we used to you don't there's tons of things you can't do but i also don't let it bother me Mm -hmm. because i i think i'm just lucky in this in this case is that i really love all of it Mm -hmm. i love the movies i love the commercials i haven't done a music video in forever so i'm i would still love it if i was doing it sure but so do you not enjoy directing more than i do really love directing but i shoot for myself so it's i'm still shooting Mm -hmm. you know what i mean now what you're calling the shots literally that's and that's true now i'm working on a uh, a movie to direct Uh, of course it's an action car chase kind of thing and uh I don't, I don't know that I would have somebody else shoot it. Sure. And I, you know, yeah. it, that might be really difficult, but I would, you know, so I would give my gaffer a lighting director title mm-hmm. instead of gaffer, right? Mm-hmm. So that he, you know, because he's going to obviously have to help a lot more. Um, and I, I don't know, I have, even in my commercial directing, I, you know, it is your second family. So I have just like, just like you were saying, Matt, I, I have handpicked everybody. Right. It is my little second family. It, everyone knows who I am. We all know each other. And I'll add something else to the no fear, having fun. And I think that's actually the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I said no fear was. I think the most important thing is to have fun. It, that's But that's what works for me. It, it works differently for everyone. I say it because if we're having fun, we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And why can't it be? You know, right, you don't yeah. have to be stuffy and have, sure. you know, make it awful for everybody else and be, yell and scream. My father was this way. Lots of directors I worked with this way. Was your dad a director? No. Oh. He built engines. But <laughs> oh, right, was, right, right. But right. he was an <laughs> asshole, so it's fine. Sure. Um, as much as I learned from my mentors of what to do, I think I equally learned what not to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate in that. So, you know, immerse yourself in it. Do, do all of it. Look, I'm not very good at, no, like I couldn't tell you the top 10 actors right off the top of my head. I could, you know, but I could do it with DPs. I could do it with directors. Sure. sure but um, 
I'm a visual guy, so mm-hmm. I like the visual arts a little more so. Um, I love landscapes. I, you know, I painted them for a while. It was so much fun. And you learn a lot about color and mm-hmm. all of that. But all of that helped shape me as a director as well. And I was in the military, which is strange. I was with the Air Force Presidential Honor Guard. Really weird thing I did, but was amazing. I met uh, Reagan and did all of Bush Sr.'s inauguration. So I have this great structure built in. Mm-hmm. But I also played jazz when I was a kid in high school. And um, I sat next what to... What instrument? Trumpet. What, uh, did you, what do you play? Saxophone? Sax. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I sat next to Dizzy Gillespie half a dozen times. I played the Monterey Jazz Festival. I did the... It's a great festival. I That's did the, the festival. Uh, we won yeah. it, and I played lead <laughs> chair for the yeah. All-Star Band. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I played the 84 Olympics opening closing ceremonies tons of stuff it was really yeah amazing doc severinson gave me his trumpet because i was playing on a shitty school trumpet because sure. i was poor and yeah. we didn't have any money so it was it was amazing wow thing but those two things oddly enough mm-hmm. helped shape not only my cinematography career but my director career as well and i was a restaurant manager so we had to talk to every single table to make Mm -hmm. sure everyone was doing great but I took it very seriously and it was I just loved to talk to the people and see how what everyone said I don't just say hey how's it going you know is everything okay I had real conversations it's so fascinating to me to to because we talked to obviously a ton of directors to see the different ways previous disciplines and their just their whole life experience kind of it comes to inform their artistry and I feel like um, I don't think we've had anyone who's combined like jazz and also the military <laughs> into one thing. But in a weird way, it makes complete sense, right? Yeah. Loose, yeah, loose, it's and loose improv, but still you have and to structure. Practice. Yeah, and, and I mean, structure. I like, will say that I have many, many times said that what drew me to film is that it's like being part of the military, except you're making building things instead of destroying things i guess i mean not that the military destroys things but like it's kind of like a very peaceful right version like there's the department heads and there's the divisions there's like the generals it's exactly the the same um and you don't touch this equipment because this is what our department takes care of Mm -hmm. you know and this is like and we're more creative and we're more strategic and we're more strict and the teamsters and the you know the Free, like the artists and the food people yeah. and it's like just this like weird harmonious thing that's it's that's true. cool it totally makes sense but yeah um, i know it's so funny it hasn't gone at all how i thought oh, it would really? go but i it's love so, it it's, it's so it, free form that's kind and of and i like that and i we're all improvising saw, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's jazz it's well, podcast it is, jazz well this is what's interesting about that camera car i i, I probably didn't do a very good job explaining it but the one cool thing about it is it is like a jazz band mm. and that's mm-hmm. what's the most in, in the beginning it was all about the metal because it was so neat what this thing did and the gyros and all the stuff of the tech part of it mm-hmm. but as lev the creator of all of it has even said people don't come to see the fender guitar sure they come to see the guitar player sure so that's what's been fun for us and that's what i love the most because the driver and the crane operator and myself almost like avatar in mm-hmm. you all just are completely right. plugged like in with rim. one another yeah. 
and it's like playing off of the bass player and the guitar player and the drummer. It, it is that interesting part about the improv of jazz and, and some, some big directors and DPs don't let that freedom Mm, happen in the car and i think that's what's the most important thing because you got your own two set of eyes and brain and you do and and we all can work together and that's that's to the the most fun have you ever seen me. an arm operator and a driver not be in sync with each other and crash into oh, a yeah. column of some of sort? course <laughs> and if you want to make egg salad you're going to break some eggs right sure there's no we are putting this thing in harm's way all the time so of course they get completely destroyed whacked i've seen have I've you seen, been in accidents if you 100 percent for sure wow. and i've seen two guys be put in a coma from bad stunts going bad which is awful you don't ever want to see but it's it's dangerous it's yeah. really dangerous stuff i'm in every stunt yeah right in that thing we're, we're in the middle of every single one so it's a it takes a different nerve you have to let go completely and the way we shoot it can oftentimes look very, very close, and it is. Mm -hmm. So you have to completely let go of that. Right, you have to trust the team. I shoot in a helicopter as well. It, it is also very dangerous, of course, but you are generally further away, mm -hmm. even though you are in a helicopter, which it's has its own thing. Vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I've had two close calls in it, and it's not fun. Um, but I'm still here, so great. Uh, I'm still here, so <laughs> great, I said. Uh, well, let me ask, actually, on because the, the helicopter thing, in the back of my mind, I've been wondering, have drones changed the way that these scenes are shot? Are you a part of that whole scenario? Like, how does that work? So they certainly have made their mark, for sure. Sure. Um, you used to hardly see them. Well, mm -hmm. of course, not before, they, weren't, they didn't exist. Then they slowly made their way on. It was illegal for a while, right? Mm -hmm. The you know all the permit stuff had to come out, and now you see them all the time. Sure, I'm shooting on second unit on MacGyver. We have one every day we shoot. Right. So, and it's a nice perspective, and it's a and it and it works well. And um, I would still pick a real helicopter any day of the week, mm -hmm. as long as the helicopter can fit in that scenario. Sure. There's plenty of times where the drone, of course, would would. Um, Right. You're going shoot under a tunnel. Or a helicopter can't shoot. Right. Exactly. So or under a bridge. I mean. But um, but if it's really windy, mm -hmm. you can't use a drone. Right. Where right. I'm still in the helicopter, we're chugging away, and uh, you know the fuel lasts a lot longer than the batteries, and mm -hmm. it's a big. You know they're doing big cameras today too, but not with a big zoom. It's still a helicopter would be my right. choice. Right. But. The, I remember it was the helicopter kids. They were like the first ones on the scene, kind of. And um, we had done a lot of work with them. And they, and it's funny to watch them be kids. Mm -hmm. And really, grow, you see the guys today, and they're crushing. Lots of the drone guys are. They're doing really, they're doing really well. So I, I think it's made a huge impact. But it still takes... You know, they say, what is it, 10,000 hours? Sure. It, it still takes a tremendous amount of seat time. And the more seat time you have, the mm -hmm. better you're going to do. Sure. And in, in with anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so do you have any directing gigs coming up? Not that I know of. It would be great if I did. Sure. It's January. have something yeah. great to talk about. <laughs> but um, uh, we've done the last three years of uh, 
the Oscar spots for Cadillac. So mm. that was it was a really great tradition. I'm not sure that we're going to get to do it this year. However, it, they've been really fun, and I've done some incredible work with it. Mm-hmm. Very proud of some of the work we've done. Um, and it's helped change me, some of this work. Mm-hmm. And um, Su- Suzanne Preisler at uh, Independent Media, she's my executive producer that I've been working with for the last couple of three years. Um, she's very good at orchestrating all of it. There are times when Janusz Kaminski's directing, Ned Benson's directing, and I'm directing. We're all doing three different spots in different places. Mm-hmm. Janusz is in the morning, Ned's is in the afternoon, mine's at night. What? How, there's all sorts of scenarios, but it's um, I don't know. I keep getting sidetracked. No, no. It's fun. It's it's fun to do. So sure. Earlier we spoke of MacGyver, and yeah. tomorrow at six fifteen a.m. you have a flight to go. Shoot yeah. MacGyver. Shoot some more. In Atlanta. Fire and fights, crashes. It's oh, fun. you know what? When I was in Atlanta, like the people I was working with were like, you won't believe it. They were shooting MacGruber like across the building. Yeah. Like we saw them on the roof and I was like, MacGruber? <laughs> yeah. like, SNL. Right? Yeah, isn't yeah. that the TV show? I was like, yeah. yeah. How many years ago it's was this? It's also a great movie, you guys. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The movie MacGruber is awesome. Val yeah. Kilmer is incredible in that movie. I think it's probably MacGyver and they're like, oh yeah, MacGyver. Oh yeah, MacGyver. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, so you're shooting that tomorrow, so maybe we should jump uh, into our unpaid endorsement segment unpaid endorsements i've read this book before and i really wanted to get into it again and i'll and i'll explain why it's called lust for life mm-hmm. it's about van gogh and okay. his life his, it's um it's from his letters to his brother but it was written in 1934 i'm not sure if they re Mm-hmm. Did something in the 50s and the 70s, something in there. I, I can't remember exactly. But what's interesting about it is Van Gogh was hated, you know, and he, but he stuck to something that he loved. And it didn't necessarily, the money didn't necessarily matter. And I think I didn't really pay attention to the money mm-hmm. much in the beginning. It was. Well, he didn't make any money until after he died, right? Exactly. So chasing the money is not all what it's about he he did what he loved and look look at what came of it right sure, it's yeah. extraordinary so it's called lust for life it's written by irving stone um it's a it's a book i have read years ago but there's something about that no fear i was saying and it's just nice to kind of be reminded to go for it a little bit and i feel like that's probably a good thing for me in 2019 to not that I don't yeah. already, but don't to do John really Wick go for yeah. <laughs> go do, go do your, go do my your own commercial one. that has no cars in it. Yeah. <laughs> Only helicopters. Maybe I'll work on my movie that I'd like to. Oh, yeah. There you go. Do it. Write it. It's happening. Um, I'm not such a writer. Just write Someone's it. helping. Don't, don't worry. You can write it. Just write <laughs> yeah. the bad version. Yeah. And, then and have, have someone help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, that's awesome. Cool. Lust for Life by Lust Irving for life. Stone. Irving Stone. Yeah. It's a good cool. one. I love it. Well, I'm going to let you end on a high note, Oren, because I am going to endorse MacGruber. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, It's zero irony to it. It's incredible. No, it's It's incredible. It's so good. I know it. It's so good. And Um, SNL did a spinoff, the little skits on it, too. No, 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 no. Or is it the other way around? Other way around. See, I did your other way around today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so good. Um, But Val Kilmer is legitimately incredible. Directed by Yorma Tacon, Yorma Tacon, yeah, yeah. 
awesome. Yeah, and like also the action is pretty heavy duty. It's like pretty good for like a stupid comedy. <laughs> like it's amazingly right. it's good. Yeah, so I love it. Too. I gotta rewatch um, it because I. I own it when on Blu-ray. I'll lend it to you. Oh, thank yeah. you. you can I gotta, the commentary as well. It's get funny. an HDMI cable now to connect my Blu-ray player to my TV. Anyway, yeah. I've talked about stock footage before. You know, I, I edit a lot also, and I do VFX, and so I uh, use stock footage sometimes when I'm missing a shot or something. Um, and all these uh, stock footage sites, Pond5, Getty, Shutterstock, iStockphoto, they all... Most of them let you download like really low res comps, like 640 by 360, and they have watermarks, and you're trying to show a client, yeah. like, yeah, what if we buy this one aerial shot? Sorry, uh, yeah. Greg. <laughs> We're buying a stock footage shot. We'll it's just okay. add the car and post. Yeah, it happens. Um, uh, but you show it to them, and it looks so bad. And I realized with Shutterstock, which is almost all the stock footage is like on all the sites. Right. Like yeah. one person will sell it to, well, to everybody. Yeah. Cause yeah. why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. Right. Of course. Um, and Shutterstock has some really good footage. Uh, if you sign up for a premiere account, which is what I just did this week, you can download non watermarked HD and 4k full res comps, like as many as you want. Really? Unlimited. Yeah. Obviously if you use them, you, yeah, have, you have to, to pay. pay. Right. Yeah. And it's, I just found out, like, I guess there's like a standard fee, like seventy. It's seventy bucks for an HD clip for like a YouTube video, but if it's going to be on TV, it's like one hundred and fifty bucks usually. But still, it's like nothing compared to what it would right. cost to get that shot. That's pretty great. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. So I just signed up for a Premiere account. You have to talk to a person, and they like ask you questions about your business and what you're going to use it for and stuff. When you say a Premiere account, you don't mean. Do you mean the the status of your Shutterstock account or you mean they call it like a Shutterstock premiere. I have a media account. You can get like an even bigger account that lets you even resell footage and do things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but for, but you upgrade your status with Shutterstock. It's not like through premiere. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Shutterstock. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so now I'm like, so I showed a rough cut of some, so I did this Mitsubishi job in Atlanta. We shot it in one day and it takes place across like 15 different bedrooms. It's a 30 second commercial. So there's like all these really well, short quick clips. Quick cuts, yeah. Yeah. So we shot seven of the bedrooms, or not the bedrooms, seven of the rooms ourselves. Okay. And we used eight stock footage Oh, shots. wow. That many. And I showed it to, but it, they're on, on for one second and there's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. But I showed it to someone, to Blake from Sawhorse, our friend today, and he couldn't tell like which shots we shot and which sure. shots were the stock photo shots, stock footage shots. He was like, wow, you shot so much. And it's only because I had these like super high quality mm-hmm. yeah. downloads. And uh, there's we're doing VFX on all the stock footage too. And we're like adding the Mitsubishi air conditioner into every shot. So, um, you know, you can actually do it before you buy the footage and see what right. shot Make works. Make sure you like That's it. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's anyway, Shutterstock Premiere account. It's cool. It's all getting cheaper. Yeah, yeah, boy. I bet all the sites do that too. But can you do uh, a subscription on Shutterstock? Can you just be like, "Hey, here's sixty bucks. I'm gonna just get as many still images as I want, or whatever." Well, the guy that called me because you have to talk to a human being to get this mm-hmm. account. He was like trying to sell me. He's like, "If you buy two hundred, like you can say, like I'm gonna buy twenty clips this year. You can prepay for them, and it'll be like uh, like forty percent off. Mm-hmm. But you have to buy all the clips At by once. a year from now." Right. Oh, I right. see. Yeah, that's like a subscription. The other one, like Pond5, there's some other ones where you can subscribe. Know, the, or Like Videoblox, yeah, Storyblocks, those guys are subscription. Yeah. Yeah. But Shutterstock is like, I feel like Getty is like number one by sure. far. But so it can be so expensive. I mean, you can spend like sure. thousands of dollars on a clip. Um, but Shutterstock, I feel like, is a good number two. 
Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> so, uh, Greg, if we want to find out more about you, do you uh, do you tweet or anything? I'm Instagram. So, so so sad. I I haven't done any of it in so long. I um, Google. I googled your name, Greg Baldi. B-A-L-D-I, and I That's obviously it. your IMDb comes up, but yeah. more interesting and than I have that, a website. independent media. Oh, really? I, I GregBaldi.com, yeah. But yeah, that I don't really uh I don't really do it. I have an Instagram account, but I haven't it's not on my phone. I haven't looked at it in months and months. I don't do yeah. the Facebook. It's tricky. I was gonna say Instagram. Oh yeah. Well your website, GregBaldi.com, is pretty awesome. It doesn't show up very high in the Google results. Oh, that's you might want to Google bomb yourself. Yeah. Go Google bomb yourself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a pretty old term actually. (laughs) Google bombing? Yeah. You don't think it works anymore? No, I do not. Do you know what that is? I still say dude. (laughs) Bruh. Dude bro. (laughs) Google bombing is like very specifically (laughs) like two thousand. What you can't Google bomb anymore? I don't think so. I they just don't think so. interviewed the guy, the CEO of Google, Congress did, and they said some idiot Democratic senator was like, why is it when I type in Donald Trump, the oh, autocomplete idiot. says idiot. Yeah. And he's like, that's because like, yeah. people have gamed our algorithm, a.k.a. Sure. Google bombing. Google bombing. Right. Well, what's the original? Um, Rick Santorum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Uh, what did that come so up like the definition the definition for of Santorum was like um, rectal <laughs> exam or something <laughs> yeah like something really foul anyway um, gregbalti.com <laughs> so we can find out more about you yeah and look uh, on IMDB yeah it's, there you go it's a good place for filmmakers to I, see I, where yeah check out what's going on I was yeah. gonna say Instagram is really fun for DPs or just filmmakers in general until you get to be on such big time movies that yeah, like you can't do it. you, can't you get fired post any of that immediately stuff. Post yeah. Yeah. and I've seen so many people get in trouble and yeah. I don't know something about it to me I don't like I, I did it for a little while a very short while and um I, you You're know talking I about feel social like media most of it yeah <laughs> mostly <laughs> yes <laughs> You know, it's a way to brag. Mm-hmm. It's a, and and it's fake. Sure. You know, it's like oh, I do enough fake stuff already. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do is fake. Yeah. Everything is make believe. Sure. So I don't need to do this on my on yeah, the yeah. side. I'd so, rather so hang out get, with my family yeah. and. Wait. Yeah. Speaking of that, you have this commercial on your website, New World, and there's literally a shot of a car with these like geese flying through yeah. the foreground. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the geese so, from? That was a lucky accident. It's like giant geese right in front yeah. of the lens. Isn't that neat? From an actual helicopter. Oh, really? That's not uh, a drone. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I thought it was like a camera car. Because the yeah. no, that's a, lens is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, a lake out there. It's in Washington. Wait, so these geese aren't like you're getting killed in your pr- props? Well, we only killed 13 geese that day. <laughs> but we gassed them because that's where we were going to have lunch. And we didn't want to have a lot of geese around. Get out of the way. Yeah. No, of course. You know, it's um, the helicopter. That was a long lens that Mm -hmm. we're still well, well away from it. With my favorite uh, helicopter pilot, that was Craig Hosking, Mm -hmm. and his son Ryan Hosking was shooting that day. When I direct uh, my car commercials, I don't generally shoot in the helicopter. Mm -hmm. Also, it's just too taxing to do all of it. Because I'm in the camera car, I'm sure. handheld in the car, I'm yeah. on the techno crane on the side. And take, I don't need to get in the helicopter. Think too. of all the cool selfies you could have. Wait, wait, I'm going to ask you one <laughs> last I have a couple of good selfies. <laughs> one last question based sure. on your resume. 
Yeah. Wanted. You worked on that movie. Wanted. So long Angelina Jolie. How's she? I have a good story there. But you, you know that scene where the car spins around? <laughs> she drives the car. She like pulls the handbrake. The yeah. car does like a 360 oh, spin and it, it scoops yeah. up yeah. Uh, the guy. Yeah, that was fake. Of course. But uh, how like, did we but do it? not CG fake. Like it's a long time ago. I have to really to think spin? about how we did this. Yeah, it must so be a rig. There, and right. there was a little CG then. That guy, yeah. that's how that Timur or something, that's yeah. how that director got all that because they did have um, a Some CG company. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. How's Chris McQuarrie? Did he, he didn't work with Chris him on Jack McQuarrie, Reacher, right? He, this is something I'm very proud of. Um, I shot Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. and I did probably 85% of that opening car chase and it was supposed to be and that was Mark Forster Mark Forster but he wasn't there it was uh different it was Dan Bradley was the second unit director but we talked in great lengths about how um this is not um Dan Bradley did Jason Bourne Mm-hmm. So you know how that is a little bit sure. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I did some of the Bournes lately. They're, you know, it's all it's like uh, super bad shaky. operating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I call it. <laughs> right. You want me to do bad operating? Sorry, yeah, Jason Bourne. Sure. I love you. Um, we talked about doing these really long shots, and that's what's so cool about the camera cars. You could stack a lot of action in one shot. Mm-hmm. And I had done all these Corona commercials that were all 30 seconds long, and I just loved these long shots. And I think... You know, Children of Men maybe had been out, and so you sure, saw yeah. Chivo do his amazing oneers. I just loved them. Um, so we did a ton of oneers, and I'm sitting with all my buddies watching Quantum of Solace, and, and all my friends want to high five me, and I was devastated because they sure, cut it they all cut up more, yeah, and it right. was just it yeah. could have been extraordinary, I think. So I tell this to Chris McQuarrie when he gets in our camera car. I didn't tell him right away. He gets in and he's like, I want to do this, I want to do this and this. And the second unit director had to, you know, go. Mm-hmm. Right. And for our he, listeners that don't know, he directed Jack Reacher, but he also directed the new, the last two Mission Impossible films, which the, I think arguably the, have like the best action I think the last Mission time. Impossible is so good. I actually recently emailed him and told him so too. He, he's like, he was very ah, thankful. He, well, so he's wasn't an amazing sure. guy. <laughs> our friend charles hood who was the second guest on um on this podcast on this podcast has oh. a mission impossible themed podcast himself called light the fuse and mccory oh. was just on it oh, oh really? so cool. listen to that yeah oh that's awesome yeah oh, sorry you, you, oh no i love it that's yeah. awesome so mccory gets in the car we we shoot um i'm with pursuit and mike majeski's driving mike and i are both at the top of our game done a lot really really ready to show show what we have so Chris says, okay, let's do this. So we do this first shot. And then Mike and I both are like, oh, we can do this. We can do that. We can do this. We can do that. And he's like, wait, what, what, what? Like you could change all that. We're like, we could do anything you could make up basically mm-hmm. in this. If it's physically right. possible, as long as we the can Jurassic do. World's feet orb isn't coming through the camera. <laughs> right. right. As long as it's physically possible, we could do it. So we did another and another, and he was just blown away. So finally, I think we're in the third hour or so, he rolls down the window and throws his script out of the window sure. in yeah. the camera car and says, now let's make this movie. Yeah, cool. So but that's, that's his style, right? Yeah, like, right. Like Mission Impossible, he like finds a location, figures out the choreography, then like writes a scene around it. And it was really great to do it with him. And what was awesome is if you intentionally watch it back, 
the shots are really long mm-hmm. and they and there's a lot of action all in one yeah and he called there's a shot where tom cruise comes flying out of the and tom did almost all of it incredible incredible what this guy did burning the candle both ends of the stick he came out of the tunnel spinning a just Mm -hmm. incredible crazy shot that we come parallel with him and it the whole thing works as a one or he crashes the car it actually dies tom doesn't stop acting Mm -hmm. he you know shit i gotta start the thing and then the car takes off and it was all a wonder. And I was like, McCory, don't you cut it. <laughs> and from the editing room, he called me. He's like, I'm sorry, Baldy. We had to, we had to cut some of the stuff. It just works better. And I was like, no, man, I totally get it. I <laughs> yeah, just yeah. had to keep you there. But there's tons of really great wonders in it. Watch. Cool. It's, it's super fun to watch back and, and see. I love that car chase. Yeah, and that's what you can do if you have an unlimited budget. The money's not the only thing. Right, right, right. It's not the only thing, but I guess. It's what you could possibly do, sure. At least what I've heard from interviews with him a lot is just that, you know, shoots a lot of stuff that gets thrown out and reshoots and figures things out on the fly. Oh, yeah. It's like how we all dream of working. It's like what we're doing in the editing room he's doing in production. Yeah, that's Um, what's fun. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming and talking to yeah, us. Great. I, obviously, Thank we you guys. could talk to you forever. Right. right. You <laughs> can't have a five-hour podcast. No one's going to listen. We've tried. Uh, <laughs> Greg, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Um, if you want to learn uh, more about the things that we talked about on the show, uh, you can visit justshootitpod.com. That'll have all of the notes when I get around to it. I've been a little slow. Apologies, everyone. But uh, that will be updated soon. You can always follow us at justshootitpod on all social media. Um, just to keep updated, keep things going, and also donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash justshootitpod to make sure that you help uh, us pay our editors and keep this whole machine running. Um, you can follow me on all social media at Mr. Madinlow. And I am on Twitter at SmiteyPileg. But you know, I feel like people follow me more on Instagram now, and I think I'm just Oren Kaplan. Oh, Kaplan. Oh, Kaplan? Is o. that Kaplan. who I am? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know how you don't know your own you phone number because yeah. other people are calling you? Just kidding. <laughs> it's a fake reference. Um, but uh, O. Kaplan, and uh, yeah, leave us an iTunes review if you get a chance. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. Uh, and also, we should mention our longtime editor, Christopher Robert Gray, is retiring from the podcast. He's moving on to other things. But I just wanted to say thanks, man. He did a, a probably two years worth of hard work. Uh, so Jay is taking over the mantle 100% now. But um, thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Also, thanks to our producer, Madeline Rosewatt, our webmaster, Ewan Williams, and the music you're listening to, which is from the Free Music Archive and the artist, Jazar. We will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Drive fast. Take chance.